0: But then when we were in the midst of a really big capital campaign and um, we had gotten the Kresge grant, which Kresge would give you the last bit of the money if you raised the rest of the money in a certain period of time. We were coming upon the deadline and we were really working hard. Um, we felt like we had asked everyone and I had called that newscaster and just said, you know, can we get on the news or, you know, can I make a plea? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to go for that but send me a packet. Send me a packet over and I'll talk to a friend. So I did. I put my best packet together, still thinking I was trying to get on the news. And he calls me back a week later and he said, I just got $200,000 for you to finish out your program. So you can get that, finish out your project so you can get that Kresge grant.
1: Welcome back to One Visit Away with your host, Kevin Fitzpatrick. This show focuses on true stories of philanthropy, In order to understand what it takes to succeed in major gift fundraising, listen to these stories and you'll realize you're just one visit away from a transformational experience for your benefactors and your organization. In this episode, I speak with Lynn Esmail, the Executive Director of Optimal Services. She has been with Optimal Services since 2018. And before that, she was an executive working on behalf of people with disabilities at Starfire Council and the Ken Anderson Alliance. Lynn has successfully led many programs in order to create an inclusive community and has raised millions of dollars toward this effort. She started with Optimal as a volunteer in 2012 while working on a team to create a similar program at St. Ignatius Loyola School. She is a graduate of University of Cincinnati, but credits her interest and focus on the importance of social justice to the time she spent with the Sisters of Charity at Seton High School. Optimal has experienced 600% growth since Lynn has officially joined the organization. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Also, everybody, you know, I'm always asking for people to leave ratings and reviews for the podcast and something I'm going to start doing now to encourage people to leave ratings and reviews. If you leave a review, I'll give you a little shout out in the next episode. So this week I had a great conversation with Josh Holden-Reed, who left an awesome review on Apple Podcasts. Josh is the executive director of the Napa Legal Institute and doing great work there. So thank you so much, Josh. Well, welcome to One Visit Away, Lynn. Great to have you.
0: Thank you, Kevin. It's great to be here.
1: I think you're the first guest on the show who was a recommendation from a former guest who many of our listeners heard, Maria Puccini, who is your cousin. And uh, she's the executive director of In My Shoes. And she put us in touch uh, as you've had a long career in development so if you could just tell us a little bit about your your career and and i guess also interesting how you saw maria entering into into fundraising oh, as yeah. uh, so, yeah. yeah.
0: um yes maria is my cousin my much younger cousin and um i think she's like 18 years younger than me don't tell anyone i'm just kidding <laughs> but um she um is I've been in development for a long time. Um, I would say that I've been in development for, ooh, could it be 30 years? No, 25 years, about 25 years. And in different forms, you know, when I've had kids and things like that. Sometimes I'm the advancement director, development director, and sometimes I'm the executive director, Um, particularly of small organizations. I tend to be a builder. So um, I, I get involved with small organizations and, and build them, um, and so I did see that with Maria. She was, you know, starting from the ground um, within my shoes and building that organization up. And um, I don't know. I hopefully I gave her some good advice along the way. Um, it's not easy to do, and in the beginning, um, she had kind of all of her ducks lined up, and still nothing was happening. It wasn't happening as quickly as one would have thought since everything was all lined up in a row. And I said, sometimes it just takes that time and you might have to, you know, um, take a breather for a second and keep talking about it and, um, you know, hold on to your other job. And then all of a sudden there'll be an opening. So I do remember having that talk with her, like sort of about the spirituality, I guess, of development, you know, relying on God for it. But she um, she's done an amazing job and I've called her for advice um, at different times where I was like, you know, cause it, it's a, it's a small group out there, Kevin, we don't think of it. Um, but really good, strong development people, strong executive directors are, are not easy to come by all the time. Um, and I mean, there's, there's lots of us out there, but then again, to have somebody that you can really trust and get advice from. So we pass things back and forth and she gives me advice too. I've called her for advice too and said, what would you do in this situation? So I'm lucky to have a relative in that position. Um, I don't think anyone could say, and not very many people can say that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was thinking about that very thing is like, I, I don't know many, uh, you know fundraisers who have another family member who's a no. a fundraiser. It's a pretty unique thing, so I think that's neat. And then you know a couple things you just mentioned that I think are important are what you said about you know asking people for help and advice. I yeah. I I have this theory, and maybe it's just within my circles uh, that a lot of times as major gift fundraisers, we think that. I think we think it it comes with the territory that we need to like know everything. And if we admit that we don't, you know, know something, it makes us look weak or something like that. And so, so many times we'll just sit there with some problem, sometimes for years and be underperforming and never just go admit to someone like, hey, I'm not sure how to get better at this. Could you help me? Right. And yeah, so I I just think that's that's so great to just you know just ask people for help or like give me your perspective on this because it it can change everything.
0: That was one of the stories I was going to tell too um, about yeah.
1: Well, let's, the different let's jump right in. Story,
0: stories was sort of that the truth will set you free kind of yeah. thing. Um, and currently, I work for Optimal Services, and they provide intervention in Catholic and non-public schools um, to meet the needs of all students and. In Catholic and non-public schools, and it's it's a niche. It's a real niche. Initially, I thought I was looking for only Catholic donors or only donors who sent their kids to private schools. And I had left a position with um, a really well-known um, sports figure in Cincinnati. To take on this small organization, still the the I still actually am very involved with the other organization too, but I was working out one day in this small with a trainer, and there's about three or four other people working out, and somebody asked me about what I was doing now and and why would I have left this this bigger named organization for a small organization.
1: And, and you immediately responded, the pay, power, and
0: uh, no, <laughs> no, it was not uh, none of that. <laughs> 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 and I, I was explaining to them that I just kind of felt called that I could make a difference for the small organization, and then I went on to tell them about my struggles in getting the small organization started, and one of that was, one of those well, the struggle was it's a more of a niche and um, I was I looking for someone who had a child who needed intervention in a non-public school. I mean, I kept feeling like I was funneling yeah, yeah. and I was talking about, um, you know, different people. I'm making all of these calls and I'm not getting anywhere as I'm lifting weights. Right. And um, then I started talking a little bit about the mission of the organization. And right there, as I was working out, one of the ladies just sort of crumbled. I don't know how else to say it. Um, just sort of sat down and cried and said, this is what I need. This is what my son needs. And I am going to give you that first donation. And wow. so um, that happened. She called me that day. She gave me $10,000 and wow. said, you know, this is a huge Um, This is a huge need. And I think that you can open it up further. And so just kind of talking about, you know, I I was making an error in thinking that my market was smaller. And so I started to go out to a wider market. And I had people donate to this program who had never entered a Catholic or non-public school and didn't have their kids there but they knew that these schools were saving the public school system a lot of money. I had it down to like $12 billion or something. within a 12 year period, that's, you know, we have a large group of non-public schools. We're saving the non-public we're saving the public schools a lot of money and that we're a community. We're a community of schools. And I had people donate who weren't Catholic, didn't never sent their kids to a non-public school, but heard the need that we were trying to, you know, we were trying to serve kids who had learning disabilities and um, it was huge. So that $10,000 eventually became, we raised about 400, I think, $400,000 for that particular program. And, you know, actually at that organization grew by 700%. So um, but it took that one donor, you know, to say, you've got to, you got to push beyond just a little funnel, you know, you're, and she was right. And once I opened it up, um, I was amazed at the people that, that did give. So, um, that's amazing. Yeah, that it was an amazing moment. Um, and it, it was just, you know, you have those little miracles, I think when you're in development and I always say, if you hustle, the miracles will come. Um, I think we are so prone to saying, well, if only I did work for a big named athlete, or if only I did have this or that, then I could raise money and those things help, but they also come with their own challenges that you don't know until you're in that organization. So, um, I think it's a very, um, it, it, it's something where you just continue, have to continue to hustle, um, I had another yeah. kind of miracle hustle story. If you want to hear it, I don't know.
1: Yeah, please, please. Um,
0: one the other kind of miracle story that I had is when we were developing an aquaponics center for people with disabilities to work at. Um, and aquaponics is not a household name. I mean, a lot of people don't know what it is. It's growing green leafy vegetables inside year round through. Yeah. A system that utilizes fish for nutrients and, and water. So it's pretty complicated. Not a lot of people understand it. We were trying to develop a prototype to see if people with and without disabilities. But the idea was that people with disabilities could do this job really well and make some money. Mm-hmm. Um, that we were so when we were looking to build a prototype, it it was kind of a struggle. You have different struggles. This was an unproven model. And, um, you know, I just started calling, we were calling everyone we could think of and, you know, it just wasn't wasn't really going. Um, but then in one of the conversations, somebody else told me about a, another organization that was thinking about doing the same thing. And so we were able to come together. They were more interested in the aquaponics. We were more interested in people with disabilities. They had a small pot of money. We had a small pot of money. So we were able to come together. But when we looked at the budget, it's still, you know, we still needed to raise more money. And we were raising money. We did get um, some foundations and some donors to contribute. But the rent for, you know, the rent for this aquaponics center was really high. So I started to think, like, how can we get that in kind? And I thought about churches because aquaponics could really use high ceilings and um, there's a lot of churches in areas here in Cincinnati where, you know, the population has gone down and the church is empty. And so I made a list of all those churches and I called and called and called. And I was talking to everyone I could, you know, who was connected with any specific kind of church and nothing, absolutely nothing. So one day I'm driving, my son to school and there was a church on, on the corner that I hadn't really ever noticed before, but it had a name in front of it of a, and it was a very popular community church. So I knew they don't have room, right? Their yeah. sacristy is being used. There's, there's no room in that church. They're very popular. But I said to my son, take that number down. I'm going to call them yeah. yeah. just in case, you know? So I get on the phone and there's a machine and a message machine, like, Old school, yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah, right yeah. and I I'm like this is so crazy. I think that's how I started out my pitch to them on a machine, <laughs> not a phone. I mean, just recently, this is like three years ago, but I yeah. said, you know, I, I know this sounds really crazy, but I'm calling you from this organization, and it, I want to talk to you about an aquaponics center. And then I briefly describe what aquaponics is because no one knows. I just wonder if you could give me a call back and I leave my number. So um, I I think I told him this would be with people with disabilities would work here and it'd be great for your community. I'm really pitching because I have called at this point, probably (laughs) 350 people or churches that were connected, right? A lot. And I got nowhere. So I'm thinking, I'm just going to leave them a message. Literally, this is like on a Friday morning. On Monday morning, I get a call back from the church. And she says, this is so weird. I just pulled up and listened to your message today. (laughs) And we had ministers come in from all over the country to talk about what we could do with this building in the back of our church over the weekend. And we came up with the idea of an indoor farm
1: wow
0: or, or hydroponics
1: and wow.
0: i was like, I <laughs> that is a miracle it took the hustle but the miracle definitely happened so <laughs> it, it, our aquaponic center is there to at this time so wow um, you just and, and they get-
1: and they 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 gave it to you all for free or like a no, severely him, reduced we rate? we do
0: pay them rent, but okay. rent that we couldn't afford to pay elsewhere. Yeah. And it made the whole entire budget work. So they're getting a little wow. bit of rent. We're yeah. getting, um, we have a prototype. It's in a community that actually is a food desert. Um, you know, there's just not a lot of leafy green vegetables available. Yeah. During the COVID, we've been able to donate to that church's pantry, I mean, the whole thing has just, um, it's really a give, you know, you're, you're giving sort of to people with disabilities who then give to the community. And it's just been a, a great cycle. It's not easy. Aquaponics is um, not necessarily an easy way to go, but we've learned so much and it is a prototype. And we have, yeah. to, I know that organization has plans to use it down the road, Wow! but um, it, that was probably one of the strangest things I've ever had happen yeah. to me where I left a message for them because I had just called so many people and I knew that there was no hope that this church would yeah. have any room because they were a growing church. So right. they're not going to have any room. I'm just leaving the message and it sparked interest. So, wow,
1: that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm curious, Has uh, did you ever, so once the aquaponics center was completed and people were working there, did you ever take benefactors or prospective benefactors on like tours there? Yeah. And, and did that ever lead to any giving or could you talk about that?
0: Well, it definitely does lead to giving. I think that um, we need to do definitely more of that. Um, it's a, um, it's really, uh, a a lot of what we've done too, is a lot of videos. Um, it is, it's in a location that's, it's, it's close to the city, but it's on the west side of the city. And, um, it's not always easy for everyone to make that hike. But, um, so we have toured people through that, but I will tell you, um, that one of the really most effective things has been the videos. I mean, we have really, really great videos that you can pull up on your laptop. We had an awesome annual campaign, um, you know, of Empower Today, Grow Tomorrow. And um, with just these vegetables pouring out inside and people with disabilities working there, I mean, you really can't ask for a better visual, right? Right. So they definitely do do the tours and I don't want to take away from that, but I'll tell you, you can do a lot with videos nowadays and yeah. um, you know, even um, th- outside of the local area. So I, I think the videos yeah. have actually been more successful because they really wow. have been able to capture it. Yeah.
1: So, That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love
0: it up at any time and show someone or
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love those stories of of miracles um, in fundraising. Have you ever heard of the, the book Imagining Abundance?
0: Oh, no, it's, I don't think I have. It's written
1: by Carrie. I, her last name is either Robeson or Robinson. Okay. Um, but that, mo- that book is amazing. Anyone listening to this should go read it. And it's basically about the – so she – Worked for a foundation on the side of giving money away, and she was long story, but she was asked to uh, lead the development campaign for it was a it was a capital campaign, I believe, for Yale's Catholic community or something on campus. And she was okay. like, "Why do you want me to do it? I've never raised money." But the priest asking her to do it was just very insistent, like "You're the person to do this," and she was like, "Okay, yeah. fine, I'll do it." So she gets there, and I think the the campaign goal was something like was something like five it was either five or seven million dollars and the priest was like carry honestly they had a terrible fundraising program and he was like honestly i don't think we could even raise two million dollars maybe not even a million dollars for this capital campaign and they they went on to raise i think 75 million dollars on that campaign and and it, the the moment for her that that miracle moment was her thing was like, look, we're not going to raise money until we start doing great work and like That's you know it. impacting people's That's lives, it. right? And so so they focused they focused on you know creating this amazing uh, uh, you know faith formation program and all these activities for the students to get involved with their Catholic faith on campus and things were doing really well from a program perspective, but no, no money was coming in yet. And they had this first big board meeting and she had to give her report on what was going on with development. And I mean, there, there was nothing like no, no wins whatsoever, but I mean, it was early. And, and so she's staying up late the night before. It's like, I think she was, she was staying up late. It was like 11 PM. And I guess she must've been on the East coast because at 11 p.m., she gets a phone call from this couple, this elderly couple on the West Coast, and it just out of nowhere, she gets this call. She answers, and this couple says, "Hey, we we uh, you know are graduates of Yale from a long time ago, and we just heard about the incredible work y'all are doing, and so we want to send you a gift of a million dollars, and it's completely unrestricted. Uh, however, you want to use it." And and it's just like, you know, like she she never met them. She never spoke to them. Somehow yeah. they just heard about what was happening, found her phone number and gave them a million dollars.
0: Boy, if I ever hit a horse with a stick or whatever that expression is, it's <laughs> like, you know, I tell people all the time, if you create a better development program, if you listen and consulting, this is really important because I can come in and be a little bit stronger than probably the development person who's yeah. there. If I can create and make these development changes, you are going to have a better program. And then it's like yeah. a watershed, you yes. know, because creating a program that sells really helps the program. It's right. like, you have to have all these different components together, yeah. but the development person can come in and make those changes very quick and hit the ground running as long as they're heard. And I think sometimes as a role in the, as a consultant, that is one of the things that I really try to do is say, is to be that tough guy and say, here is what you, it's right here, but you have to make that change. And then this program is just going to soar your, you know, because a good program, a good development program makes for wonderful community programs. It's just, everything is top notch and in its place and, um, and it can be done really quickly. And then it's that development person's job to just hit that ground, running, call, meetings, call, meetings. Yeah. And yeah. it will happen. So, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And so I, I'm i going kind of back to one of the first things you said, but it relates to this. Uh, you mentioned how you, you were basically talking about, oh, when Maria was getting started with in my shoes. She was, you know, things weren't going as quickly as she wanted them to. Right. And one of the things you are helping her with is like, there's this balance we need to have between lots of uh, this impatience that drives us to activity, but at the same time, patience, knowing that the results don't happen immediately. You you know, you, you can't force somebody to give a $100,000 gift on, no, on your you timeline. And so right. uh, I, I think it's interesting because, again, it comes back to that, that mentoring thing and asking people for advice. I've seen this. It is true that it can take time to uh, have success in major gifts, but it is not true. The other end of the spe- spectrum that I see, which is people using that as an excuse to, uh, justify underperformance. So like, you know, I told them, I told my boss, it takes five years to, to really see success in major gifts. And it's like, no, it doesn't. It does not take five years to, I mean, what you're saying when people say that is do not expect any results from me for five years, pay me, you know, pay me for five years and then we can talk. And, uh, I don't know. I've just heard that several times from different people and it drives me crazy. Uh-huh.
0: I know. I usually say like, um, you know, the textbook, I don't think it's five years. I think it's two years. So people do say two years and I always say, but I can do it for you. Yeah. At once. I, yeah. Uh, if I have, if you will work with me, if you will give me the tools in those beginning months, yeah. I can make this work in one year. and yes. and,
1: um, and the thing even more than that is, you know regardless how of however long it takes to get a right. like significant cash in the bank the thing that we do know is what it takes to get to that point that, from an activity perspective right. so you know right. if you're if you're saying it takes 2 years it takes 3 years but you're you're making one phone call a day right. and visiting with one person a month like i can tell you by month 2 that you should be fired because right. it just doesn't uh, you, you need to have more activity to get to get to the results over time.
0: Right. And it's not that every single time, I mean, you do hit those bri- brick walls like we were talking about um, initially. And sometimes you have to step back and say, well, what is this brick wall about? You know, yeah. maybe yeah. I need to change the program in some way that we're not answering the need of the community or, you yes. um, you know, in Maria's case, it was just gonna take time bureaucracy-wise, I think, for everything to to fall through, to kind of come through. But um, you know, so it's not always like lickety split within a year, but you have to just kind of keep working at that. And and there are times when you have to come back look back and say, oh, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? And then make the appropriate changes. Instead of just trying to go over that same wall, so um, yeah, so but um, she's been wildly successful, hasn't she? She's oh yeah, done such a great job. I'd love to get that started for her here in Ohio. That's one of my goals: is to get in in my shoes eventually here. If anyone's listening, who wants to help?
1: Yeah, like what kind of person wouldn't want to help? pregnant homeless moms right like, it's the it's, perfect it's just self. Such a, yeah like <laughs> it
0: is it is the perfect self so um yeah it's I'm awesome. hoping that um you know again what what we find in development right is where you put your attention and time is what yeah. prospers most of the time and um I mean it, there's nothing that's 100% but where you put your attention in time. So I just need to find some time or find that person to help me with this um, big, um, big initiative in Ohio, whoever's listening. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> hey, it's anyway. crazy. We could have a uh, imagining abundance type moment where somebody's just listening. And, oh, I know.
0: Uh, I see. It. That's the way it happens. And I think I told you before about, um, you know, just kind of reaching out to, um, everyone in my career, one of the things that I have done before is I've reached out to um new broadcasters, you know, for help and um you know, just out of the woodwork sometimes people can hear something and it happens. and I know in the case of this broadcaster, he helped me, i think initially get like a ramp for a van for people with disabilities, and that was like a six thousand dollar win, and that was great and broadcasted our name but then when we were in the midst of a really big capital campaign and um we had gotten the Kresge grant which at the time has kind of ch- changed their format but Kresge would give you the last bit of the money if you raised the rest of the money in a certain period of time and yeah. it was a very difficult grant to get and um we, um, you know, we were coming upon it. We were coming upon the deadline yeah. and we were really working hard. It was right after 9-11. So you can kind of relate to that, to the COVID, where you just have to push forward like you've never pushed before, you know. Um, we felt like we had asked everyone and I called that newscaster and just said, you know, can we get on the news or... You know, can I make a plea? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to go for that. Right now, everything's kind of focused in on 9-11. But send me a packet. Send me a packet over and I'll talk to a friend. And um, so I did. I put my best packet together. Still thinking I was trying to get on the news. Right. And he calls me back a week later and he said, I just got $200,000 for you to finish out your program. So you can get that. Wow. Finish out your project so you can get that Kresge grant.
1: Wow. Two hundred thousand. <laughs> that is crazy. So, and who yeah. who can you uh you don't have to say obviously don't say who it is, but like who was this person um, that gave it the
0: was a person who um just had started a foundation from money they inherited and um would not meet with um uh, really development people. You've really had to kind of know. Yeah the family or know them. I doubt have been, I do, I am connected with them now. Um, It took took a while. It took even years after that um, where I can pick up the phone and talk to them. Um, Sometimes it's about just proving, you know, that we did what we said we were going to do with the money and, um, and the, and then them opening the doors. I mean, development is not, it's not something you create in, Two years or three years, it's constantly calling and then calling again and calling again because the situations really do change. I mean, you know, uh, you know, people are saying no today who are going to say yes tomorrow, and sometimes they just. I think we started talking about the truth will set you free, you know, and I think that's where I was talking about that working that when I was working out and that woman hearing maybe how hard I was really trying. Maybe I wasn't going in the right direction, um, but I was really trying. And I think, um, you know, with that one donation, she really opened up the world to me by saying, I think more people are interested in this than you know. And then for me to see that, you know, to see that this emotionally affected her, um, just by telling her the vision of the organization, Um Really motivated me even more. Like, oh, yeah, I've been really limiting myself. But I think, you know, I've had other people too where I've said, you know, th- this is who I've called. This is what I've done. What am I doing wrong? Can you, you know, asking funders sometimes, does this appeal to you? I mean, what am I doing wrong? And, um, no, this sounds great. I'll write you a check. Or uh, th- I, we would really like to see this on a bigger basis. You know, we'd like to see them broader. We don't feel like you're reaching enough or whatever. Again, a good development program makes for a great community program.
1: Yeah. The So the, the, <laughs> the 200,000, was it, the, so the, the, the news person, he, he just happened to be friends with this, this person. Who and them.
0: he wasn't friends for, with them for that long. Um but he just said, I'm going to take it over. He believed in what we were doing, for okay. sure. Um, he did have a child who would, he was hoping would benefit from this. Um, and, you know, this was a foundation, too, that I had knocked on their door. I had sent letters. I had. Oh, okay, um, so you
1: knew about them before.
0: this. Thing. Oh, yeah. And then I just wasn't getting there. I mean, I had already probably raised, you know, several million dollars at this point. I was trying to you know, finalize the campaign. I think we ended up raising like five or something, but you know, just to get that last 200,000. And then that gave us the 250 wow. I think, for the Kresge grant. So it finished the last half a million that we needed.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's so cool.
0: Yeah, it was great. It was great stuff. And again, it was during nine And so a lot of times people were like, you can't really raise money now. Um, and then somehow, You know, you just do because you keep talking, you keep talking, keep keep spreading the word, keep reaching out to people who you don't think. I mean, one of my favorite, um, my favorite tips to new development people is print out the list of different foundations and then have your board and employees and participants circle who they know. Yeah. And, um, they'll they'll lead to individual gifts as well as to foundation gifts but we had empl- we had during this capital campaign we had an employee who recognized and had no idea that his uncle sat on like seven foundations wow and so we were able to open that up same thing happened with a participant once where the parents of this person who had a uh, who had down syndrome looked over and said oh my gosh i had no idea i had no idea yeah. that our neighbors did this I'll go talk to them for you. And then you have a meeting and then that leads to a gift. So I don't know. That's a, that's a tick, you know, probably a trick that everyone does, but sometimes um, we forget to ask the staff. We forget to ask the participants. And um, it's really paid off for me to do, to do that. No.
1: Yeah. It's uh, I I will say it's, I don't think it is a trick that everyone does. Because yeah, everyone um,
0: should. Everyone should do yeah. it. I promise you you'll get something.
1: Yeah, I mean it kind of comes whatever. back to this. It, I mean, it's in, in a way, it's it's a way to get referrals. And I just right. saw this stat somewhere. Who knows where these stats even come from or if they're true? But I saw on LinkedIn recently it was something like only I don't know, it was something like some crazy number, like only five percent of salespeople, uh Regularly ask for referrals, and oh, and yeah. that doesn't actually surprise me because I think it's the same in in the in fundraising is people don't ask for referrals, which is crazy. Um, and and same thing, they don't even think about like, hey, there's all these there's all these people that like some of us might know or your board members might know. People and, have uh, no
0: idea that their great uncle is doing this work. And I mean, it really, it's, it it, it has never failed me that, that trip, that tip has never failed me because someone will realize someone is involved somewhere where they had no idea. And yeah, so do it, everyone, make sure you get your list out there.
1: Any other stories come to mind? Lynn?
0: Gosh, I don't know. I probably, you know, I've been in this for a long, long time. So, um, those are my most my three most favorite. I definitely, um, I definitely think the truth will set you free. I mean, I have stood in front of donors before and, you know, said, hey, this program did not go the way we wanted it to. Um, I have um, you know, built relationships where I think people trust me because I have spoken, I've tried, I mean, I think I've always spoken the truth over the, the years. Um, and at, at least my truth. And, um, I, I think it just pays off dividends. This is such a great career. That's one thing I would like to tell everybody. And, um, if you, if you are in development and you like it and see the, um, uh, just see the potential for what you can do in the community, I can't imagine another job where I could have influenced um, so many lives and um, made better outcomes for people than this job. I mean, I really, really love it. And young moms, you know, it can be flexible and young parents. And I just think, um, you know, I think fundraising is a way to make such a difference in the world. Yes. And it's not easy. It's not easy. You know, the, it's about a burden. We all have this burden. I think we talked about Jordan Peterson before, Kevin. I, he yeah. talks about this. When you're in fundraising, you have a burden to try to make these important programs work. Yeah. And I feel that burden, but I wouldn't change it for the world. So yes. I hope that more and more people continue in it. I see a lot of times people will be in it in their 20s. And then they'll find something else in there when they're thirty-five or forty because it is hard work. Um, but I will tell you, it, just stick with it. It gets actually easier because people learn to trust you, and yeah. um, it's there, there's there's nothing better. I wouldn't change it for the world.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's there's so many great things. I mean, what you were saying about you know how much you can do. I mean, I think about like i in my 20s i can raise millions of dollars to save lives from abortion but i can't uh (laughs) maybe one day i could get there but i could never give away millions of dollars (laughs) from my income in my 20s uh to i mean like the, the number of people who would who you know are able to annually give millions of dollars away is yeah. very very tiny but the right. number of people who can learn how to raise that kind of money is much higher and so yeah i mean if you have if you have a cause that you want to get behind uh raising money is a is a way you can do it um even with like and learn how to do it fairly quickly uh yeah. so yeah i i completely agree and i, and I think what- that yeah, go ahead.
0: Well, it just kind of reminded me of this one little story that I always tell about, um, you know, when I was 13, um, my mom took me to she worked at a local hospital and she took me to this hospital. And let me tell you, I'm not interested in medicine at all. You know, I think my sisters were like working on the floors and things like that. I was like, what am I going to do at the hospital? And so the volunteer group put me with this um Group of doc, doctors' wives who were trying to plan a luncheon to raise money. And, um, you know, I was just a gopher, 13 years old, go get this, go get that. And then at the end of that, I wrote in my journal and I found my journal like 30 years later. But what I wrote was, Someday I hope to marry a rich doctor. No, I wrote, Someday I hope to marry a doctor. And be a philanthropist and be a fundraiser. Someday I have to marry a doctor and be a fundraiser. And you know what I meant? I meant I want to marry a rich doctor and be a philanthropist. But <laughs> what I actually said was I want to marry a doctor and be a fundraiser. So I did marry a doctor, a psychologist.
1: Whoa.
0: <laughs> I the, you know, psychologists just don't make as much money as the <laughs> brain surgeon. And I became a fundraiser. So what I asked for was true. Uh, And, um, forever I would make the joke of, I should have written, I want to marry a rich doctor, (laughs) but when you look back at it, truly, Kevin, I have been able to make a difference in my life that, um, I I don't know how else I would have made the difference. I mean, I, I want to keep, continue to do that. I, um, I didn't need to marry the rich doctor and I didn't need to be a philanthropist, but, um, it, it's, it's been a great journey and I really, really hope that if you're in development and you're young, continue on, continue on, it'll pay off for you. You'll have tons of flexibility and tons of contacts and, um, you know, keep speaking the truth and you'll have a great career in front of you.
1: So do you still have that note?
0: I do. I do. That I is really yourself, cool. I, isn't that crazy?
1: Wow, that's I awesome. Know. So, yeah, I and mean, then I went to college,
0: that, and I was going to be a chiropractor or something. I don't think I ever really thought about it again. And then um, I just kind of was went into sales. And at one point, I decided I didn't want my gravestone to say, um, "You know, she filled Viagra's pockets," and so that's I got back to that thirteen-year-old dream.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And so, yeah, th- this is I'm I'm so glad you're saying all this stuff, encouraging people to get into development because this is one of the reasons I started this podcast is to expose more people to like the, the great joys and just how exciting it is in this career. I mean, there's no other, uh, the, the, there are very few types of work that are just so meaningful and like what gets accomplished through the work, but at the same time, just so exciting. And I mean, every day is, I mean, if you're, I like kind of pressure situations and like right. trying to hit big goals and like going out strategy, and seeing the people. A lot of yeah,
0: creativity involved it's, that people don't realize. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, and so I mean, when you go out and you go to visit with somebody, and you just have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, you might you might have this conversation that leads to no giving. They might give some huge gift. You might wind up going to drive around in the Rolls Royce or like who, or I mean, who like just crazy oh, stuff. Yeah. Lot happens.
0: Driving lots of Porsches and Tesla years ago when they're at the high end and whatever car you want, you'll get a ride in if you go into yeah. development. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember not feeling well, you know, when I was pregnant with my second child and kind of, you know, with drudgery heading into work because I really didn't feel great or whatever. And I remember thinking, oh, I didn't want to go into work. And I thought to myself, that's the first time I've thought that since I've been in development. I mean, and at that point, it probably had been like 10 years. And so I was like, wow, that's the first time I didn't want to go to work. You know, and usually, and it, it's happened since, of course, but usually it's because of really what's going on around me, not the work itself. so I think a lot of people might drive into work every day, you know, just waiting to clock out.
1: Most, most you know? people. It's, I think either. it's 70, 70% of people, it's either they hate their jobs or their bosses. I can't remember which, yeah. but they don't want to be there. And yeah, I mean, I, I had a similar experience. So one day, this was uh, a year and a half ago or so I was, it was right before this big event we do. And I've meeting with like tons of people just nonstop. And there was one week where, uh, you know, I, I couldn't remember what day of the week it was. And I just had, I had so many different meetings and it was like, like, I think I had four visits that day and I'm driving all over town. and like, I'm driving back to my house in the evening and, and someone uh called me and it was just a a friend and he was like oh what are you doing this weekend and i was like oh what like what day is it and i was like oh wow tomorrow's saturday i don't i don't work tomorrow and i was like i guess i just i've just been so like in the zone i just forgot that like i'm not working tomorrow and and it was just this thing it was like like i forgot because it's just so much fun And, and it's so exciting. I mean, it's, it's very challenging and can be very stressful at times, but it's just so all consuming in a, in a good way. And, and my friend was just telling me like, man, I can't, I can't remember a time I ever like (laughs) was so excited about work. I forgot which day it was.
0: I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's a great field and, you know there's years and years of stories and you know you cry in front of your funders and you laugh in front of them and um and i'm not necessarily advertising that you should go in trying to do that but i mean it just absolutely does happen because you're so committed and passionate about what you're trying to accomplish and um you know the people become your friends and you know i just wrote a note to a funder saying you know, it looks like um, this has become a lifelong journey together to improve the lives of people with disabilities, and I mean that's true. That's exactly what it was, and hopefully, hopefully we've done that, um, and, and we'll continue to do. I have a lot more. I got I got a lot more work left in me. So oh
1: yeah, you're we'll just getting started. Yeah. yeah so if great. anybody's not getting the message now, in the middle of the pandemic, it's the perfect time. Quit your job and. Go find a job in development,
0: <laughs> or if you're in development, keep sticking with it. Keep calling. Yeah. Um, even right now, the competition is going to be a little bit less. It's it's more. It's confusing. It's more. <laughs> um, if you're in the like probably for a food bank or for yeah. shelters or things like yeah. that, but if you're doing other programs, they're probably not hearing from your competitors,
1: right? And so yeah, it's a great exactly. Time to reach out. Yeah, this is this goes back to my my excuses are horrible thing and I despise them. I, it to me the thing is like, well, it's the summer so you know nobody meets with people in the summer. This is some, maybe they say yeah. it up in Ohio, but they say it in Dallas all the time as if all people who give away money do not accept meetings at any point from, you know, yeah, June through August. And it's just like
0: They're looking that's a whole yeah that's what
1: everyone is saying that's what all the like don't get anything done development people are saying so now's the perfect time for you to call because no one else is calling them
0: yeah i mean we're 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 under a mask mandate here and um i actually was just reading from my work the cbc's requirements and you know it's definitely um they really don't want you having meetings right now in Ohio. Like our numbers are up. I think yours are too. But, um, you know, it's a perfect time right now to get on zoom. I was just telling one of my clients who needed to raise some money. You can really, I mean, people can meet with you for 15 to 30 minutes that you've never Mm -hmm. met with before. It's not an investment for them. They're not even having to get in their car to drive to Starbucks. And, um, it's at least a good introduction for those people that you haven't met before. So, and you can get a lot of meetings in because you're not driving. Um, It's almost like the, per. I've been trying to figure out what the opportunity is inside the COVID. There's always opportunity. Um, This one's a little bit more challenging to figure out, but I think, um, I think the ability to get online on zoom, ask for those zoom meetings, have some face-to-face time, where you don't have to make that person uncomfortable if they're really worried about the COVID or you, you know, as a development person don't have to be uncomfortable. Just get to know each other face to face for 15 minutes because they could be in Florida. If they're in Florida, if they're in, you know, and the other thing I have found out is that a lot of my funders are not traveling this year. They're home.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Those who are gone are not gone.
1: Yeah. They're, They're at home. Yeah, th- there's um, always opportunity. And it's the people who the people who stay in touch and ask for gifts are the ones who are going to get them. That's like we're, I was saying before, that has and always will be the case. It's the people that like, it's the same people. It doesn't matter that COVID is here. They had some other excuse three months yeah. before COVID as to why they couldn't ask for money. And right. uh, so... Yeah, th- th- there is a reality. I'm not trying to say obviously there is right. a reality. There are real challenges, but that doesn't mean we just shrivel up and say, well, I guess we just have to wait until it's all over. And then once it's over, it's going to be, well, you know, the the economic impact was too severe. It's not a good time to ask for money. And it's just like, just stop making excuses and go Go help people who want to make a difference. Stop denying people the opportunity to do something meaningful with their wealth. When you have, like, I mean, the people that optimal services are serving, people with disabilities, they didn't stop having needs because coronavirus. Right. And I feel like
0: myself, I was saying, to you know, I was kind of a few weeks ago, you know, you're getting so inundated with the negative. Yeah. Yes. We have governor from Kentucky. who's always on the news because we're so close. And he's always saying, and so-and-so died in this County. And she was a good woman. And, and you're listening to this. You're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I got to turn this off though. Cause I can't process all of this. And I think I had a real big need to make a difference. You know, I wanted to make a difference in the time of the COVID. And um, I think other people feel that way too. And, it, for introductions to, I mean, we always have to work on increasing our base. Now is the time to get on the Zoom because it's very low commitment for yeah. that lender. Very, very yeah. low commitment. All they have to do is click on a Zoom no matter where they're at. And um, it, it they get to see you face to face and see your passion. So that's been one of the opportunities I've been able to kind of think about and develop in the COVID time is, you know, that there's Outskirt people who just haven't been meeting with you now's the time to give them that low commitment opportunity to hear your pitch, and maybe you don't ask for money, maybe you just get to know them. But maybe you you just don't know. You haven't heard from them yet. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Lynn, and Thank all you, your. Kevin. Yeah, especially just all the inspiration for people to you know. Look for a career in development and just the wonderful blessing it is to do this type of work. I think that's really important for people to hear. That was Lynn Esmail with Optimal Services. If you found this episode valuable, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to stay up to date on the show, you can like One Visit Away on Facebook or connect with me, Kevin Fitzpatrick, on LinkedIn. You can also sign up for the one visit away email list by clicking the link in the notes section of this episode. If you really want to help the show grow, please personally share this episode with other development professionals. I hope Lynn's words have inspired you to schedule more visits. After all, you're just one visit away from a newscaster calling a friend who could wind up giving a $200,000 gift to your organization.